You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On Saturday, the Bruins faced a team that right now, based off points percentage, would be their round one opponent. We've talked about that in the past. Um in the standings, Florida has leapfrogged Pittsburgh, but because the because the Penguins have a game in hand, um, you know they're still ahead in points percentage. But what did you guys make of that game against the Penguins? I mean, obviously the Bruins they weren't at full strength, and you know they're like they definitely came to play for that game because because of the reason I'm just I'm talking about right now that the possible possibility of them playing in the playoffs. But um, what watching that game to me it didn't change any thoughts of what a Pittsburgh series to me would look like. I think the Bruins have no problem scoring. Um, but did you see anything? Did you see any challenges that you didn't anticipate that maybe Pittsburgh could present in a playoff series you weren't initially thinking of, or was it pretty much status quo what you thought going into that game and not, 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 nothing's changed? I think, I don't think much changed for me. I, you know, Bruins are playing without Bergeron. I thought they were still, for the most part, the better five on five team, uh, score a couple of power play goals, you know, right at the ends of power plays, but Hey, they still count. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought Pasternak just obviously ripped the penguins hearts out. Um, so no, I, you know, I don't feel like I really learned anything new. Like, you know, Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Latang are dangerous and Gensel and Russ, did get away for a couple breakaways or semi breakaways. So yeah, I guess, you know, that's something to watch. Like the, those wings are going to try to take off and, you know, Crosby and or Malkin are going to send them in and are obviously elite playmakers who can do that. So be aware of that. But other than that, like, I don't like Pittsburgh's depth. I don't like their goaltending. I don't like most of their defense. So I don't think it would be a particularly tough series, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I start. Yeah, I don't think it changed all that much, but it does concern me somewhat that all of the games that they've played with Pittsburgh were one goal games. And besides the Winter Classic, you know, there was a lot of goals put up. If you remember back to that very first um, game against Pittsburgh, I think it was in November. Um that was kind of a weird game and the Bruins gave up a lot of goals and didn't look good to start that game. They were able to come from behind in that game as well and win. Um, so like you like their resilience and how they've been able to fight back against Pittsburgh and in, in situations where they were down. Uh, but those have been close games. Um, it's not like they, you know, blew Pittsburgh out of the water. Um, and, you know, but that being said, I do think the Bruins have looked like the better team in a majority of the periods in the, the three games that they've played against Pittsburgh this year. 
So I, I would still not be oh, too concerned about it, but like thinking, thinking of that, we might just see things a little bit in a Bruins lens. Um, and maybe Pittsburgh people are thinking, oh, these were close games. You know, one bounce goes a different way and, and those are wins. And in the playoffs, that's all you need is just that one bounce in overtime or, or whenever uh, to go your way and you, you have a chance to steal a game. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like the Bruins depth would overwhelm Pittsburgh in about four or five games. Uh, I mean, they're... don't get me wrong. On paper, on paper, it's Bruins all day, mm. um, but that's not necessarily how the playoffs work. No, it's not. But like, but I mean, I just no, it's not. It's not. But if I were a betting man, I was. I, I would say I, I, the Bruins would handle them fairly easily. I mean, they've added they've they've, they've added so much more depth since you know the winter classic and even when they played them this weekend they weren't they weren't fully healthy i mean no burrs on no hall no felino no forber like you know whatever so um the penguins looked somewhat dejected after the win as well where you can kind of see in their faces like they knew that they were you know they're in the last spot the eighth spot and that they had a chance to get knocked out of it that day which they did and they're going to be battling until the last game of the season for that eighth um spot with florida and you could also see, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, yeah, well, even if you do make that eighth seed and you're the Penguins, you now you know what it's like to play the Bruins. Like, you just lost to them. So you're thinking, okay, are we just, like, prolonging the inevitable? Like, we get the eighth seed. We go into a series with Boston where it's going to be an uphill battle the whole way. Yeah, and, you know, like, they, they could try to find the silver lining of, hey, we were right there, you know, lost it late. But, again, Penguins are – playing for everything in that game like they're they're playing for their season and the Bruins as much as we're talking about you know they are looking for ways to get up for games and they want to keep good habits and all that they're not playing with that same desperation like you that's one of those things like you can't really bring until you're actually there like we can say you know uh that we want to see them play with playoff intensity the last five games well, guess what? They're not going to like their their season isn't on the line yet. They're not playing for the Stanley Cup just yet. So, just by human nature, like there is always other levels, multiple levels that you can find come playoff time or come a situation like Pittsburgh where your your season is absolutely do or die down the stretch. That just bring that just like brings more desperation out of you than any amount of prep or you know pregame speech or whatever you know someone trying to start something in a scrum can bring so like yeah sure the penguins can take the silver lining if they want but you're you're gonna they're gonna see a different bruins team in the playoffs than they saw Saturday. yeah and this was kind of a do or die game for the penguins and they died against the bruins like if you think about the last two teams the ruins played pittsburgh right on the bubble and st louis if they lost today which they did were officially out of the playoff picture. So those are two teams that were playing or at least should have been playing with as much desperation as, as anyone. So and the Bruins are able to take both of those games. Um, one final thought for me on the Pittsburgh game was just, and I mentioned it off the top was Pashnak getting his 57th goal of the year and a hat trick, obviously um, insane, totally insane. Uh, he was able to crack a hundred points for the first time in his career officially. Although we've talked about it in the past, he was on pace for that before COVID um, in 2020. But I mean, it feels like it was yesterday. He got his 50th goal against the hurricanes. He's already at 57. 
So like, you know, 56. Uh, I'm sorry, 56. Yeah. He scores so many, I lose track. But <laughs> regardless, you know, 60 is clearly in his sights. Um, and it, if, if the Bruins would have a 60 goal score, you're talking, you're talking the first time since Phil Esposito and back in the, back in the seventies. I mean, the, 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 I'm fairly confident when I say the Bruins single season goal record will never be touched. Uh, I think Phil Esposito scored like 76 or 78 goals one year, but I mean, just, just you guys is like, and I know it's not like we haven't talked about this before, but again, for him to hit 60 goals potentially this year, like just your thoughts on, on that, like on, on being able to watch a Boston Bruin in your lifetime, covering the team um, in your professional career and like being able to cover, cover this season and, and this player um, right now. Yeah. It's when you see that now the only person who has scored more goals in a season than him in a Bruins Jersey is Phyllis Bezito. The only person who has scored more hat tricks in their career in a Bruins Jersey than him is Phyllis Bezito. Uh, most points by a Bruin in almost 30 years since Adam Oates had 112 in 93-94 like it really puts into perspective that you are watching one of the absolute best goal scorers the Bruins have ever had and one of the best offensive players they've ever had like it's that's just the level that he's at and yeah like he's he's put up goals at a rate that Cam Neely didn't. He just topped Cam Neely's best season. Now, obviously, Cam Neely had the 50 goals in 49 games that, in terms of a per-game pace, will never be touched. So I get that. But, yeah, it's it's remarkable. Like, if you were making the like the Mount Rushmore of Bruins goal scorers, it would be Esposito, Neely, Postonark's going to be on there, and probably Johnny Busick just because he has the franchise record, obviously you know, spread out over a lot of years, but like, that's it. Like that's the, that's the class that he's in. Yeah. And, and he's, he's kind of, I I know he's not like completely an under the radar guy, but I feel like you, he quietly like goes about scoring all of these goals and he's, he's a likable guy. Um, and he'll never get as much credit as he really deserves around the league because McDavid is always there to, to take the, you know, the hardware and, and whatnot. And uh, so it's, it's tough when you're so good, but you still, there's this one guy that's kind of always just a little bit better. Um, no, he's having, he's obviously having such an impressive season. Uh, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I feel like he's one of those guys that if your team's down in the playoffs, you're like, Oh, well we have pasta. Like he could just at will just, put one in the back of the net. He's somebody that you can rely on and he's one of the most consistent players uh, that the team's ever had. Well, hopefully he can continue that in the, uh, in the postseason. I mean, to your point though, Bridget, about him being like quietly under the radar, like, I mean, you have Connor McDavid who has 62 goals this year. Um, it was an absolute circus media circus last year when, when uh, Austin Matthews broke 60 and, and here's David Pasternak, like, you know, quietly at 56 goals. And the only thing that the local media will talk about with him is, uh, you know, he plays too much or he turns the puck over here and there. It's like, okay, well, you got a, you got a kid that's about to score 60 goals at 26 years old. But, yeah, go for it. Um, 
and that's that and that's not that's not me like you know not saying we won't criticize him but like it, it, i'm more so speaking on the lack of just the lack of um headlines surrounding this like is anybody going to discuss this week in boston and and maybe they will but is anybody going to discuss besides the skate podcast what we just talked about which is the fact that he he's eclipsed kim neely and he's only behind phil esposito in the team's 100 year franchise history next season well, like it- it's insane yeah, and by the way, on Sunday picked up his forty seventh assist of the season. So for like one of the other dumbest narratives is this idea that like, oh, but all he does is goal score goals. And it's like, nope, he sets up his teammates for an awful lot of them as well. Like he's he is a complete offensive player. Like And we we talked take about Connor, how- take Connor McDavid out of it. He's a classic. Okay, bye. Bye. After after that, like he's as complete an offensive player as they're in the NHL and he's not like, he's not bad defensively. Like he he'll do the job. You know, he's, he's never going to win a Selkie. He's never going to be getting Selkie votes, but for the most part, like he takes care of business in his own end too. Um, You know, the turnovers. Yeah. We all think there's room to improve there for sure. Like that's no matter how often the puck's in your stick, like that's not a category you want to lead the NHL in, but the positives so far outweigh the negatives that it's like the, the attention that is paid to the negatives. And I get that that's especially sports radio. Like that's how it works, right? Negativity draws going against the green, you know, gets people's attention, but it, it is amazing that like so much focus is paid on that one negative in his game. And so many of the positives are, largely ignored or like thrown out the window or, you know, or whatever. Like, it's just. That's ha- that has more to say about our business than it, than it does to say like about actual fans that actually like, you know, the people that buy the Posenac jerseys and, and that watch it for um, in order to root these people on rather than pick, pick them apart. Um, yeah. It's, it's more on us, but to the, to the point about the assists and, um, you know, being right up there with the points, obviously it's fewer, but he really values himself as a playmaker. And he's mentioned it before that he's thought of himself as a playmaker first before he was a goal scorer. So yeah, there's really not much to criticize about his game. If you're being real, like of, of all the players on the team, I feel like he's the last person that anybody should be criticizing. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> he's quite the player, so it it, it could be quite infuriating to uh, again. Can you imagine if in Edmonton they were just like constantly criticizing McDavid? I mean, I mean, just, some people do like some of their playoff failures in the past, or like years they've missed the playoffs. That there have been the contrarians up there that have tried to pin it on McDavid and Drysital and been like they don't want it enough instead of you know like. They they've don't been have through. Support. They've been through three GMs who can't put together a goddamn roster. Like, it's so that does exist everywhere. Um, it's not. It's not just a Boston problem, but because obviously sports is so big here, and sports talk radio is so big here. I think, you know, it it does kind of get amplified more here than than a lot of places. Yeah, I mean, again, like I'm. 
I, I, I get the nature of the business. People try to create headlines and they try to create controversy and piss people off so that they get emotionally invested. But I, I just feel like there's a way to do that, but do it genuinely. And I feel like you can criticize, you can fairly criticize a game or a player based on what you're watching as opposed to just being like discounting how difficult it is, literally how insane it is to be a 60 goal scorer in the National Hockey League this day and age when the game is as fast and talented as it is, as when the goalies are as good as they are. It's literally insane to me. But well, um, however, yeah. Brian, that would require more research and paying attention yeah. to the team to have a have a nuanced version of what's actually going on. Yeah, well, that's why stick to the skate podcast for your Bruins coverage from WEI and Scott's writing and Bridget's writing and whatnot. I feel like we always have a rant not often, not often, but once in a while I'll hear something and I'll just be like, like, what are you talking about? Like to sit, like to sit there and say like, like, why is like, why is David Pash like on the ice as much as he is? I don't know. Cause he has 60 goddamn goals this year <laughs> and, and like he has 40 more points than the second highest score on the team. So what do you want? Like, what do you want? This is why Brian needs to call into more shows. Anywho, um, let's, yeah, let's no, he, he leads the team in both five on five points and power play points, but yeah, definitely cut his minutes and you know, play him 15 minutes and then well, and, and cut his minutes, cut his minutes for who Charlie Coyle, all due respect, Tomas Nosek. That's what I have. <laughs> yeah, okay, just I'm just trying, I'm just trying to figure out who we're doing this for. Okay, Pavel Zaka, who nobody knew who he was besides they started watching him two months ago. Okay, yeah, good, great. Um, I just, I just, I just think it's insane. 